Time gap. He's Jules. No, not Jules. Hey, look, it's hey. Don Hutchinson. How about that? Blue skies over West London not after Jules. I Jules must be on holiday again. Um, it, it, we had a rainy, stormy weekend, but it was. Uh, it is blue skies are coming back out. Blue skies in your hometown of Newcastle. We'll be talking about that because uh, it's a huge win for them away to Spurs. We'll be talking about. Napoli, talking about blue skies. L'Azzurro del Cielo, unbelievable win for them. Unbelievable Victor uh, Osimen. All of that is coming up. Um, but let's let's start there. Let's start way in North London. Yeah. Spurs against Newcastle. Spurs, I think, had won every single league game at home this season. They had a bunch of injuries and absentees. They're looking ahead. It's Richarlison now. It's Kulusevski out. There was no Romero. Bit of whinging. Bit of Conte whinging. Yeah, but, but about the depth of the squad or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm assuming you're not buying those excuses. No, how, how, how can you whinge about the depth of the squad and feeling a little bit tired when Bruno Gimmerich had a baby two days ago and he said after the game, I've not slept for two days and put that type of performance in. I thought Newcastle, Gab, take my Newcastle hat off. <laughs> I thought they were magnificent. Considering they got battered 5-1 the season before and whenever Newcastle travelled to London throughout the years... It's never a happy place for Newcastle to go. So as wins go, I thought that was a statement win from Eddie Howe's men. So this was more Newcastle. Was I it more Newcastle so. being good or was it more Spurs being deficient? Both. Because I mean, when, when Spurs lost to United in midweek, yeah. I thought United were phenomenal. Yeah. I did not think there was that much wrong with Tottenham. Yeah. You know, Sometimes both things can be true. You can play well. And but don't you think that result was coming? Don't you think that result was coming? They've done it against Arsenal. First five minutes, first 15 minutes, they went really defensive, really deep. And you think, what are you doing? North London derby. Done the same against Chelsea. Got lucky. Last minute equaliser. Don't you think this defensive approach is going to catch up to you at some point? I do. Is that the defensive approach? Because I would point out, and Conte pointed this out, I thought for the first 15, 20 minutes, Tottenham actually played played pretty well. They were on the front foot. Yeah, Son had a couple of chances, didn't he? Yeah. And then... You have you have that incident with the goalkeeper. I'm going to assume that legal that you're going to say legal 101. Not a foul. How does right? anyone ever think that's a foul? Do you? Uh, Is it not just two players coming together? I love that term. That's an English term. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's it doesn't like, exist in any other language no, in the world. There's 22 footballers on a pitch. At some point, there's going to be a little bit of bodily contact to coming together. I, I, I think so. Look, I, I don't have a problem with letting that goal stand. I, and it's also because, like, you, ultimately, Hugo Lloris, you were stupid. You, yeah, you, you yeah. screwed that one up. Yeah. You're normally reliable. You know, not the best with your feet, but you are a phenomenal keeper and a leader. You made a huge mistake, right? Yeah. Um, and he knew it. I do think that with a different referee... I think for me, the fact that Wilson's arms go out, which I think is kind of weird. I, I can understand if you... A different referee if might you, have been if you, prompted If you, if you to, take the biomechanics into consideration, yes. if me and you were to get up now and run into each other, there's no way your arms are going to be by your chest or by your side. We're going to do something to try and protect ourselves. Yeah, most likely I would put my arms in front of me to protect myself from running into you. Yeah. I wouldn't have them round the side. But then someone that, might say, you've pushed me. So I just think when you when you spin it all, I just think Larissa is in no I, man's land. I thought it was I I thought it was a, the it was the correct decision. Yeah. I thought Larissa was a, was at fault for yeah. the second goal as well. We're going to get into more on on Spurs a little bit later, but tell me about Newcastle because and we're going to get into this a lot more later. But just briefly, they're in the top four now. Mm-hmm. We've spun this image of Newcastle as a club because of the the money from the public investment fund of yeah. the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia, uh, that they can buy everybody. They have spent 
they spent big, but they yeah. haven't spent out of this world. This is not this, is it? a Man City no. situation. Some one of the guys they spent a lot of money on, Alexander Isak, has hardly played. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing, I think, is people like Joe Linton, people like, like Amiron, people like freaking Longstaff, yeah. contributing at a very high level when they weren't doing that before. Yeah. So logic to me says that's that's on the manager. That's on Eddie. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. There's lots of things to take into consideration, Gab, um, and, it, and it baffles me how Mike Ashley never got Newcastle United, and he never got the support. And I, what I mean by that is he didn't understand how amazing the Newcastle fans are. And he he, he come out and said, "Oh, we don't. We're not interested in a cup run. We don't want to win a trophy. It's all about finishing fourth bottom. Put the whole mood on Tyneside lower, especially on Newcastle. Put it low." Fans were turned up to games, not particularly op- optimistic, not loving the football. Anyway. He goes, Steve Bruce goes, you get a young manager in who wants to play attacking football. All of a sudden, the fans are coming in the stadium. They can sense it. They can feel it. It's a great place to go and play. Newcastle's a great place to live. It's football-centric. It's, it's mad on the football. So they go there. They've employed a company called War Flags, which is flags everywhere around the ground. It's a great place to go. The Sanners have been good. Trippy has come right. in. Didn't want to close his contract. If he goes down, he can leave. I, I'll leave you with this because uh, percentage chance the Newcastle finish top four. <laughs> I know you love your percentages. I do, I do, I do. I don't think it'll happen, Gab. I don't think it'll happen. I, th- I think if you offer Newcastle fans and myself now seventh, we okay. take it. We take so it. less than fifty percent. I think so, mate. Yeah. I knew. I'm not blaming you for it. Um, you are. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I want to. <laughs> I don't point even know what's out. coming, and you're blaming me. I know it's. I'm going to point something out. This is especially geared towards our listeners who might not be in England, might not be that familiar with English football culture. But essentially, yeah. And I'm. I'm being very, very rough here. If you were to split. England into, let's say, four bits. Yeah, you would have London in the southeast. You would have the northwest, which would include Manchester and, and Liverpool. Obviously, a big hotbed of football. Mm. You would have the Midlands, which is those, those clubs around Birmingham, like like Wolves, like Aston Villa, yeah. Derby, Leicester, and then you would have the northeast. And because of the geography of the country, because the major motorways sort of connect London to Manchester through the Midlands, the railway lines and everything, the Northeast is kind of, I I feel like it's kind of separate in some ways, not so much culturally, but whatever, from the rest of the country. And so because the big media organizations are in London and, and Manchester, sometimes when you're kind of in the provinces, you slightly get short shrift. And again, feel free, you can jump what you in. Getting at, Gab? What are you getting at? What I'm getting at is when Newcastle as a club are presented yeah. in the media, yeah. right? There's two or three tropes, right? One trope. Oh, look, St. James Park is fantastic in the middle of time. They're all football mad. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's true. They're football yeah. mad in other cities too, right? Yeah, yeah. But they're very passionate, right? Yeah. Uh, so the whole, all they talk about is the passion of the fans, the passion of the fans, which is true. Yeah. But like, I kind of often feel like we don't get, people don't get into more than that. Uh, the, the, Oh, Shears from Newcastle, and he turned down United to go back. They're fine, great, right? Um, now, obviously, the Saudi. Oh, nobody likes Ashley, and that now becomes the Saudi thing and public investment fund and whatever. No, they have loads of money, loads of money, right? Mm. But there's more to it than that. I kind of feel Newcastle sometimes get the raw. They, they get the short end of the stick mm. when they're described. People probably don't delve they, into the history of the football club. Probably that's why. Well. But this, but I'm not sure they even delve into the present. So what I want to do now, in the next few minutes, I want to understand from you, what does Newcastle do well 
football-wise? What makes this a good team? I want to go through the team because, look, I mean, I'm, I'm making excuses for it, mm. right? We often talk about the big six. We talk about the big six on the show. We try to yeah. talk about them all the time. In fact, there's Newcastle Air Force on the table right yeah. now. Um, so I want to understand, without talking about how brilliant the fans are, they're brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm sorry, I know you brought up Warflies, you got it out of your seat, yeah, I know, but you know what, uh-huh. it's the same fans who were there before, and I know they got a lift, now they didn't, I, fans are important, yeah. but they can't turn a mediocre team into, they can into turn a good atm- one. They can, no, they can't, but they can turn an atmosphere, can't they? They can turn an atmosphere anywhere toxic. Any set they can turn it toxic. Now, in this case, obviously, that's not that's not what's happening. No, so, but there can also it, be an asset. So, walk me through Newcastle, right? I, I'm a big Nick Pope guy. I think he's, for me, he's possibly the best English Solid. keeper. You can debate it with Ramsdale. I would have him ahead of Pickford. You might not. I yeah. also tend to like tall goalkeepers. Um, obviously, he's been. They didn't have a bad goalkeeper before, but no, he's no. he's been an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, and he's. Added value. Yeah. At the back, they got Sven Botman, who's done Brilliant very player. well. Um, Charles improved, always improved chair. Eddie Howe's improved him. Can you can you talk about that? Because yeah. right again, well, correct my assessment of share. You had a you had a centre back who was quite comfortable on the ball. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Um, but sometimes would get a little bit bullied and stuff, yeah. and not always make the right decisions and get under pressure. Yeah. What has Eddie Howe so, done with him? So the relationship between Fabian Scher and Sven Botman is, Botman is super quick, as you know. So then Fabian Scher can get really tight to defenders, which suits him. Sometimes he likes to sit off and get on the ball because he can play, but his, his main asset is getting tight. And he can get sometimes in front of centre-forwards or he can get super tight from behind, knowing if the centre-forward rolls him, he's got Sven Botman behind him. He's got Kieran Tripper to his right. right-hand side. He's got Dan Byrne, who's a brilliant centre-half, playing out of his skin at left-back. Matt Target okay. can't get in the side. So the Eddie Howe factor, it's improving the players. People can always sort of say, well, yeah, but he's had money to spend. He's had money to spend. So what? You've got to spend it wisely. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I think that's a very simplistic yes. uh, attitude. Because, again, they've spent a lot of money. Isak hasn't contributed. A big chunk of it was on that. You know, we've seen in recent years, teams like Villa spend a lot of money. We've seen Leicester spend a lot of money. Um, they, so it's, it's not going to be you, an don't, instant don't you feel as though, Don't you feel as though the signing of Bruno Gimaresh? Well, I, I want to get to Gimaresh, but I need you, help, you, need you here to help explain the defense a little bit more, right? Trippier, I feel I get. I feel Trippier is a Amazing. little bit one-dimensional. Leader. What he does is very good, Leader. though, and he brings a lot of leadership skills. Um, I think the way Newcastle set up, whatever defensive failings he has and I think he does best defensive record in the league so far well that's fine but the the people around him Howe's done a good job I think uh, making sure Trippier isn't exposed Exposed, isn't Dan Byrne on the other side is not something I understand I didn't understand him before and not because he's bad but simply because when you are that tall see I knew you were going to bring the height into it why can't you be six foot five and be a good left back I think he's even taller than that is he well all right uh well, because so, probably on the eye, it probably it's not conventional, no, is so, it? So, so the average, re- the, the, the the basic region is simply one of, reason is one of biomechanics, right? Yeah. When you are that tall and you're up against small wingers, it's harder for you to have the quickness and the lateral movement because yeah. you're further away from the ground. But that's it's, when you that's when you do have a football brain, not to get too tight to someone. If you're playing against Bernardo <laughs> Silva, for example, who's playing on that right hand side for Man City. You ain't going to show him inside. You, could, you, you, or you, you will show him inside because you show him into traffic. But you wouldn't want to get done, so you might be a little bit narrow. So there's the coaching from Eddie Howe. Dan Byrne gets narrow to... Well, he had Hoffman. good coaching before at his yeah. previous club as well because well, obviously he's played in that kind of role yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. 
But it is pretty. I, I remember Dan Byrne at Fulham, and I mean, he's been around the block a little bit. I think it was the year that there's one year. I think it was maybe it was Moyes at United when he was playing center uh, center back in that game, and United were just under Moyes were just pumping balls into the box. Yeah. I think he, he had like seventy four headers or something <laughs> yeah. stupid like that. Yeah. All of it, right? But this is a different position he's playing. It's a different role. Can you talk about what does that bring to Newcastle? Well, it, well, it, what it brings, it, I tell you what, he's better on the ball than people think, you know, just because he's six foot seven or wherever he is. He's, he's, yeah, no, I'm he's just really on the ball. ball. But, he, but he, he brings a presence, Gab. If, you, if, you, if you've got, say, Kri- Kieran Tripp is on the right-hand side, because all, all, all these systems always fascinate me when, when someone says, oh, it's a flat back four, which it is when, you've, when you haven't got the ball. As soon as you've got the ball, it's, the game will never change if you're not playing a four. It always turns into a three. Right. So, so Dan Byrne comes in one. Sven Botman goes across one. Cher goes across one, turns into three, because Trippier's attacking down right. the right-hand side. And it's usually that. It's not often that Trippier is the guy who tucks no, into because sometimes, Dan Byrne is romping Sometimes, but very rarely. Right. That's why you see a lot of attacks for Newcastle predominantly down the right-hand side. So it, 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 it's work. It's time on the training ground. It's... it's, it's it's the message from the manager, and it's also the player understanding what he's good and what he's bad at. Dan right. Byrne doesn't want to get sucked into Bernardo Silva getting 1v1s, does he? He wants to give him a yard. All right, run me through the midfield. Bruno Guimaraes... How we've got him, I've got no idea. Is, I, he's one, I think he's one of the top 10 all-around midfielders in the world, right? It, 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 it throws back to me when Kevin Keegan was the manager and he was signing people like Tino Ospreya, and you get people like Ginola through the door, and you get this superstar player that's just got stardust... And honestly, Gab, we talk about the fans. They absolutely adore him. My brother was sending me messages. And you was going to go back to the no, fans. Because, no, because, Gab, does. I can show you on my phone. My brother sent me messages <laughs> from inside Tottenham yesterday singing Bruno songs. They right. adore him. Okay. And as a player, I mean, how we've got him, I'll never know. The guys with him, on paper, Bruno Marash was a star in, 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 in Ligue 1. He's yeah. a Brazilian international. The guys with him, frankly... You don't get excited. I don't get excited when I hear the names like Longstaff, whichever one of the two it is. But again, or Willick, players, or, Willick, yeah, Murphy, Joe Linton. Right. So did they get better under Howe? Yes. And how good are they? Or, or, or have they hit their ceiling? Can they get even better than this? I mean, they've probably hit the ceiling if you want to try and stick a label on it because they're playing out of their skins and Newcastle sitting in fourth. Individually, you can always improve. But it's, it, it's again, you, you can play on the manager's gab where... You get so much more from a manager when a manager loves you and a manager trains you right and a manager treats you right as well. And I think that's what I'm seeing. I don't know for, for a fact what Eddie Howe is like as a, as, a, as, a, as a coach. I've worked with him once or twice in the media. And he's one of these guys where you'd love to play for him. Because I can imagine he's very, very positive. Yeah, I think some people... Too, if you had a bad game, he wouldn't be too down on you. I wouldn't I, have thought. I think some people click with him. Some people don't. Um, that's, that's, that's life as A lot of it is... I mean, certainly uh, at Bournemouth, he was very big in giving players instructions so that things would come natural to them. Yeah. And almost wouldn't think. Like, you know, when you receive the ball in a certain area, you know that this guy's already making yeah. it on there and whatever. Yeah. So you almost kind of gain your, you, you win yourself, you know, a split second where you don't have to think or look. Yeah. Because you know he's going to do that. And he's very good at building uh, that trust. Um, Amiran is another one who, it's funny, though, because when I look on paper, look at the way this team's built, and obviously we haven't mentioned Alan St. Maximin, who's, mm-hmm. who's injured right now, yeah. who's, who's in the mix, uh, who maybe in terms of technical ability may be the most skillful guy in the club, right? 
And he's uh, got it all on to get back in the side because he was he was a shoo-in a year ago, wasn't he? It was like pick St. Maximan. Well, presumably when he's back, he's straight back into the side. I he doesn't... So. I don't think so. It's interesting. Even though how good he is. He doesn't seem to be an Eddie Howe type player in the sense that, you know, the guy who's totally unpredictable and goes off and kind of does his own thing, right? Yeah. I, you would presume he prefer so somebody that, like... See, that's where I see, that's where I, see I think, the, the effect of Eddie Howe, what he's actually doing to St. Maximan. He's saying to you, we, we can't carry you anymore. You can play like you did against Man City and rip Man City apart in James's Park, but when we really need you, you can't just be this maverick who stands up the pitch and we go down to, you know, <laughs> right. we're, we're a man less and we're carrying a passenger. So again, I think it's a message where he's saying to the player, look, you know, you've got to do the other side of it. That's why I think he's got it on to get back in the side, how talented he is. Um, Miron is another one. I think I was shocked that it's already five years that that, that, mm. that he's been there. Obviously, he was a massive star in, in, in MLS. He's a very athletic player, yeah. um, very quick player. Also gives you work defensively. I did feel like he kind of never went to the level. No. And then, of course, yesterday he scores that. I don't think he was trusted, Gap. I think people looked. I think people looked at Almiron and thought, you know what? He's a head down. He'll run as fast as he can. He'll try hard, and that's about it. But no one really trusted him until Eddie Howe to actually look at the ability that he's got. I mean, I watched him against Tottenham yesterday. He was phenomenal. He ripped Longley apart, Sessignon on that side. So again, it's, an, it's, it's another factor what Eddie Howe's done to a player. I mean, lovely little stat when, when Jack Grealish ripped him in the summer when he was singing. He's, he's now scored more goals in Jack Grealish's career at City. Almiron. It's an amazing <laughs> Oh, stat. trolling Jack Grealish yeah, now, are we? absolutely. All right, Callum Wilson, I think he's a very technically gifted centre forward. I think without those horrendous injuries yeah. that, that he suffered at different times would have worked out. I wonder, again... And here we get into transfers and spending, right? From the club's perspective, and I say this in the nicest possible way, yeah. but you've got Wilson there. First thing, one of the first guys Eddie Howe signed when, when he took over was uh, brought in Chris Wood, different profile of center yeah. forward. Just to keep you up. But then in the summer, you go and you bring in, you bring in Isak. Mm-hmm. If I'm Callum Wilson at that stage, I'm thinking, all right, this guy doesn't really trust me, right? Because you've bet the house on this guy who's younger than me. Yeah. Chris Wood is still hanging around. You know, when he came in, he signed Chris Wood. He's on his side. Oh, Callum will keep us up, right? Yeah, yeah. And yet, he responds with a tremendous performance like this. Yeah. So is is that one of the challenges? Sometimes you use competition for motivation rather than saying, screw this. Oh, well, if you're you're a player, Gab, you have to. I I can can remember Walter Smith pulling him in the office at Everton uh, and he got me in. He went, just to let you know you can leave. And I went, why? And he went, I've signed John Collins. I've signed Olivier Decor. He went, you're not going to play. And I looked at him and I went, I'm better than them too. And he went, what? And I went, I'm better than John Collins. I'm better than Olivier Decor. And I walked out of the room not knowing that day because I backed myself. I could have I quite easily went, okay, Gaffer, I'll go. I didn't. I stayed because I backed myself. And Archie Knox, his number two, told me months and months later, he loved that response. And it took me about two or three, four weeks to get back in the side. He ended up playing the three and played all three of us. You've got to back yourself as a player. You can't just quit. I think a lot of players also say, like, the club are heavily invested in them. And, and this gets me to Eddie Howe and transfers because I think when he was at Bournemouth, if you go back and you actually look at them, and obviously they got so much praise because he kept the same back four from mm-hmm. League Two and he stayed in top flight forever. And yeah. When he did throw a lot of money at a player, I'm thinking of when he, remember when he signed Jermaine Defoe to that insane yeah. contract to keep him up? It took Solanke or, from Liverpool, Jordan Ibe. Jordan Ibe, I think, was one of the big screw-ups. Solanke, 
and more of a calculated risk, but of course one that yeah. I guess it's kind of working out now years <laughs> later. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this is something of the club saying, you know what, I don't, who do we trust Eddie Howe? And we say, it's not Eddie Howe with the money. I hate yeah, when people yeah. say that because obviously there's a director of football there who really knows what he's doing. But if the attitude, club's attitude is more like, let's not create a problem for Eddie Howe by bringing in somebody super high profile yeah. who we really should build a team around because yeah. he's going to make us better. But that's, that's going to take a process. That's the fascination. In the January window, if Newcastle are sitting in fourth or fifth, what type of player they go for? I, I think they're going to be super disciplined. I and I think they're only going to go for guys. They're still going to go for the small steps because, and I've said this before, I think they're actually trying to run a business there. Yeah. They don't want to emulate what Man City, what Paris Saint-Germain did early on, saying, like, let's go all guns blazing. And always the subject that blows my mind is financial fair play. Blows my mind. What? Well, I just don't understand it. Because Newcastle, Newcastle are saying we've got to respect and live by the laws of financial fair play. But Chelsea can spend a quarter of a billion in the summer window. Oh, no, no, no. It's funny. It's, it's, I, it's, I don't understand it. It's funny. And then Barca are doing what Barca are doing. It's like, right. financial what? It's, financial fair play? It's, it's really funny with because some tall former Premier League midfielders uh, are, seem to have an interest in financial fair play. Others, like Craig Burley, get angry hate it. when you bring it up. I hate it because no one understands it. Okay, so... Uh, well, I'll have a long explainer coming up soon, but um, the long and short of it is as far as the... No, when I say I don't understand it, I understand it. I don't understand how people get around it. That's what I mean. Wait, well, basically, we haven't had it for the last couple of years because of COVID. Uh, in Newcastle's case, as far as European financial fair play, it doesn't apply because they're not, they're not in Europe. Um, so they're going to look at it differently when, when they do qualify for Europe, if they qualify for Europe. Barcelona's whole thing is predicated... Barcelona sold off big chunks of their club, right? So they have big amounts of revenue coming in. That's how they're able to do it this year anyway. Um, what's the other one you mentioned? Chelsea. Chelsea, quarter of a billion in the summer. Chelsea, just, just I don't a, get. Just a quarter of a bill. No, and they spent a lot before. Chelsea, I'm not sure what they're planning. I, I, on, on the surface, unless there's something we don't know, they could have an issue. Also, remember that this season is the last season under the old financial fair play system. We'll be getting a new one in. Um... A word on Tottenham, because we did this deep dive in Newcastle because I felt they deserved it. Yeah. Um, you're concerned that Conte's being too defensive? A little bit, yeah. It reminds me a little bit of Jose at Tottenham. The players will go along with defensive football when you're winning games. The problem is, when you stop winning games, do the players then still right, So you're on? not buying this fact that it wasn't defensive football. It only became that once they went a goal down. No, no, I, I do think it's defensive football because I think they've done it against Arsenal. And the North London derby, they've done it against Chelsea. Well, against Arsenal, I can understand. I, I, could you? Arsenal, Arsenal away, went, they had... The, there they, to be beaten, it's a derby. They and, had you, the and, you, and you sit back for 20 minutes and allow them to get on the front foot and allow them to attack you. Then you struggle. <laughs> done it against Chelsea, but got lucky, scored in the last minute. Done it against Man United. I wonder if this is a game where they could use another passer in there. Because it seems to me that you know, once Newcastle go 2-0 up, Obviously, Newcastle are going to play on the counter to some degree, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, it's a yeah, logical yeah. thing to do. Yeah. And then when you have to unlock things, yeah, we know Harry Kane can do that. And in fact, he did do that. Mm -hmm. And you've got set pieces. Other than that, I don't know that Bentoncourt, Basuma, and Skip are those no. types of players. I don't know that in the back three that played yesterday, you had anybody who can 
who, who can do that? Yeah. Or indeed, even if Romero had been fit, that's not yeah. really what he does. But does he then play over number 10? Does he play over Christian Eriksen like? Would he want I Well, he had Eriksen before. No, I, no, I, 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 I don't know. I think he would rather... I think, I think that's the problem when Tottenham fans are watching the types of game they're watching and thinking, well, where's our man? Where's our Christian Eriksen? Where's our number 10? Who's going to provide the balls for Son, for Kane? I don't think he anticipated having a situation where he'd be forced to play 3-5-2. Yeah, Kuzeski's um, a miss. Kuzeski and Richarlison, right? Either one of them's in there. You can do more things. You're more comfortable dropping Kane deeper to receive the ball. You can attack from, from different yeah. angles. I think that's what he wants to do with, with this setup. I don't think it's the end of the world, but Tottenham fans are a little bit frustrated. No, no, no question about it. I think the weather also played a part in the way that game that game unfolded um but obviously they need to sort things out mm. in the champions league as, as well i think that yeah. has to be priority right now just make sure that you're going yeah. through and it might just be a case i think for everyone leading it into the next three games before the world cup is just rack up as many points as you can and let's see where you're at yeah after the world cup all right newcastle see wait wait maybe it's not maybe, maybe we should just be big six obsessed yeah. maybe we need to start being big seven obsessed soon We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Newcastle because uh, I'm sorry. We got to move on to Napoli because they <laughs> win again. And this was a different win. This was a way to Roma. This was a Mourinho against Spalletti. This was kind of a grind it out type of game. And they ground it out, and they win 1-0. And my man, Osserman. I love him, Gab. I love him. I got my own catchphrase here, right? What do we say about Osserman? The best is yet to come. I love him. Is there anyone that plays the game like him? He's got a little bit of Haaland about him. He's a little bit chaos, but he's just... I, I adore watching him play. I, I don't want him to ever remove the mask. I want him to keep playing, playing his entire yeah. career with the mask. Like, like, yeah. like Edgar Davids with yeah, his yeah. glasses, right? Yeah. Like, I don't care if your nose is healed. Yeah. Right? Just do it so you can then remove it. Um, look, it's a huge win. But this was, this was cagey. I know you look at this and you say, oh, Roma didn't have a shot on target. Yeah. Uh, Jose, were he with us? He would say, well, what do you want? You know, I'm without Dybala and without Vijnaldum. And he's done such a great job of selling people on the fact you're without these two players. Yeah. What I would say is Vijnaldum, obviously, feel really bad for him injured. Vijnaldum hasn't been Vijnaldum for a couple years now. So, yeah, you got him on a free from Paris yeah, Saint-Germain because yeah. they were keen to get rid of him. Yeah. I don't know what he would have contributed. Dybala, a different issue. But, again, you knew when you signed him, yeah. you were getting somebody who, who has a horrendous crime. injury record yeah, yeah. and who's up and down. Yeah. 
Uh, Same as Zaniolo, which I, again I think he's an amazing player. I thought Zaniolo was really, really good last night. Yeah. I don't think it was. I I thought last night, Jose did everything he could for his game plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have Zaniolo, Tammy, and Pellegrini kind yeah. of as a floating front three. Tammy had a poor game, in my opinion. Um, he got Pellegrini to say, "All right, you sit on Labaca, who." Yeah. Who you know is kind of the, the deep playmaker, right? Standing for, for Napoli, yeah. And that part worked. The problem is at that stage you're only out as Zagnolo, and yeah. he's not Holland yet. No, no. <laughs> I, 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 I think this this season I'm looking at Napoli, Gab. I don't know if you agree, and I think they're the real deal. I honestly do. I think they're just. I think when I think when you're watching. Insignia and Dries Mertens and the careers that they've had, it's very difficult to sit here and criticise them, but Father Time catches up to everyone. And I thought they were a little bit one-dimensional in terms of their pace, Napoli. Now, I think with Osserman and obviously Carvetskelia, you just look at them, you just... And Chucky Lozano. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, no, amazing. And Elias, when he comes off the bench, he's, like, he's dynamic and he's like runs around, causes chaos. Leboca, I think, has been one of the best midfield players in Serie A for quite a while. I, I want to ask you a question about this because it's the kind of question I love asking ex-pros about, right? So we in the media, and you know, you've got a foot in both camps, we love talking about the importance of experience and leadership, right? Yeah. I said this many times, when Napoli let Koulibaly, Insigne, and uh, Andres Mertens go, yeah. they weren't just losing great players, they were also losing the three guys. Iconic. Iconic players, and these are the leaders, they have the experience, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They're so important in the dressing room or whatever. Mm-hmm. But do we overrate that? Because, and, and, and I guarantee... I don't. I, I, I guarantee, well, because I, I guarantee you, if Napoli hit a speed bump, what's going to happen, people are going to complain about, oh, there's a lack of leaders on this team now mm-hmm. that these guys left. You know, it's only Zelinski who's kind of has the gravitas, if you yeah. will. The others are too young or whatever. But do we sometimes overrate the importance of... I don't. Veteran leadership? I don't. And I'll go off piece slightly. Uh, and when I seen the Liverpool team that played Forrest, and I seen Carvalho, Curtis Jones, and Harvey Elliott in the side, and away from home, I then thought, this is a problem for Liverpool. Not because they're bad players, it's just because they're young and inexperienced, and obviously they lost the game. I think there's a lot to be said for experienced players. Yeah, you're right. It's, I, it's, do. It's, I do. I, I really do. In, it, in difficult situations, it's difficult to lean on a youngster and go, go and do it for me. There's very few youngsters that can, but when you're grinding and when you need something, you need the leaders and you need, you need muscle memory. You need, you need guys that have played hundreds of games that know what it's like playing a game, a game against Roma away from home. It's like Alan Hansen famously said, right? You win nothing with kids. And, and, and he was clearly proven right in the mid-90s when uh, decrying uh, United's future. Um, sorry, Alan, I'm, I'm, I'm just cracking a joke. Uh, with regards to Roma... If, if you're Mourinho, you, you've built this tremendous relationship with the fans. You know, people said he took the gladiator approach. It was the right approach for this game, right? Mm-hmm. He made Napoli play yeah. the way he wanted them to play. Yeah, it was quite an even game. I mean, I thought Napoli were just the better side in terms of how many chances they created, but they didn't create a million. It was a competitive game. Roma weren't outplayed and outclassed. It's not one of them. I mean, Jose, I'll tell you something different. I mean, he comes out with these Jose statements, didn't he? Oh, the best team, the best team, uh, the best team lost. Right. And, <laughs> and the poorest right. team won. And he comes out with these Jose-isms. Uh, I, I thought it was quite an even game, but the difference was the man Osman. Osiman and Kvaratskhelia and Zelensky and Lobaka and Kim, non-stop entertainment. 
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, enough, Jose. How about some quick hits instead? Let's do it. Casemiro grabs an injury time equalizer for Manchester United away to Chelsea. Don, fair result? It was, because it wasn't a good game, Gab. Oh, I was there. It was a terrible game. It was game. pants till about 80 minutes. It, you, United were good in the first half. Kepa got the start again, made yeah. some big saves. Chelsea were terrible. 35 minutes in. Made the change. Graham Potter changes the system. Kukurea, yeah. who personally I don't need to Three see Three games in a row he's took him off. But yeah, I mean, look, address it, right? You don't, yeah. you don't have any. Wait, is it still a big stigma in football? Like, oh, look, you took when you get substituted in the first half. No, no, it's. Not I mean, big, I mean, as a in player, your day, it would, it would uh, like. I think I even I, yeah, in, in our day, it's like ridiculous. Like you're undermining me. Like you've embarrassed me. I even think today it's an unwritten rule. Players don't want to come off early, but the managers, I think, have got decisions to make and make them. Why wait to half time? That's another stupid rule. Why wait to half time? People are praising Potter for being undefeated. Um... Is it a big deal that he's undefeated? Or are yeah, you, a bit you, of both. A bit you don't of both. Expect but more. I'm a little bit torn because I'm a Graham Potter fan, and I, and I think it was about time he got the big job. The weird thing is, is, if Graham Potter was the Brighton manager, there's no way he would be this defensive. So I'm watching a Chelsea side all of a sudden that a little bit defensive and a little yeah, bit stuttery. I'm, I'm gonna let you into a secret, right? Uh, I think Chelsea, for all the money they spent, this is one of the worst least logical transfer windows ever it's not just the players they signed the players they signed the the, the players who stayed and they weren't able to place honestly like you could see like yeah. why we should have a director of football yeah. not named todd Bowley. Yeah. uh you know i, yeah. I think this is this is the epitome you of move it. lukaku on and bring Aubameyang in makes no sense if you're not going to change the style yeah and then you sack the guy who wanted it on it whatever <laughs> whatever uh, uh well sticking with united i mean ronaldo's statement uh saying he's trying to set example the youngsters but it's not always possible because, you know, the, the heat comes down and sometimes the red mist gets to you. There's not an apology in there, is there? No, there isn't. I'll tell you what, I am okay with it. I know Cristiano Ronaldo has done this before. I think you take the good with the bad. Is it annoying for the others? I'm sure it is. Did Ten, Hag, did Ten Hag have to go and punish him? 100% Definitely. Ten Hag had to. And he was the right thing. But does it change your life if he... Post an apology to Instagram or not? To Man United fans, maybe. You come out and go, do you know what? Red Mist came down. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. Won't happen again. Well, and then that's I kind of what he's implying without saying <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Nottingham Forest beat Liverpool 1-0, which means it's still just two league wins since August for Jurgen Klopp. Though admittedly, one of those was against City, so I guess we count that twice. Mm. Um, Don, they had a lot of guys missing, sure. But is there something deeper going wrong? Uh, how long you got, Gab? How long you got? Um... I, I spoke to a Liverpool fan a couple of days back and he said the whole feeling on the terraces is the Liverpool fans are absolutely shattered of what went on last season, Liverpool being in every competition. Then that maybe transmits a the little Liverpool bit. Liverpool fans, fans were. are. They weren't playing. I can understand the no, players No, 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 no. I know were, that. But, but, I, but I, think the, I think the mood in general is one of we've chased City for so long. We've missed that twice by a point. We've run them close. The best Liverpool sides have seen for decades and we can't get close to them. And then you get off to a bad start 
And it is excuses, I understand it, but there's so many little dynamics. Trent's off his game. Fabinho doesn't look anywhere near the player that he's been over the years. Salah's form's completely dropped, even though he's bagged a couple of goals lately. But again, against Forrest, he was very quiet. Trying to get him off the left, trying to get him closer to the middle, to try and get him more centrally. Had a poor game. Had the least touches in any single game he's ever played in, Mo Salah. So there's loads of dynamics going on. Darwin Nunez comes through the door. People are liking him with Haaland and putting him in the same nice. same bracket. He gets red carded. He takes a step back. He's trying to find his form. There's a million excuses, and they are excuses. And I should I, give myself a little slap for saying them, but I think they are factors. By the way, football thing, in this game, I was shocked by the amount of chances that Liverpool had off of set pieces. Yeah. I don't know that... Is it just because he has too many players that he that Cooper can't work? And again, I praise Cooper. Looks like a nice guy. Difficult. I mean, Van Dijk could have had the match ball. <laughs> Trick. It was, it was bizarre. It was, it was crazy. I mean, great save from Dean Henderson, by the way. Great save at the end, but he should have scored the first one, probably the second one. Uh, no, Karim Benzema for Real Madrid. They beat Sevilla three-one. Wonder strike from Fede Valverde, though, Gab. I mean, what a strike. Tremendous strike. I said, the one that impressed me more, just because I, I don't get excited over long-range striker oh. strikes the way people... You know, here in England, you know, like they do like, oh, a goal of the season. And it's like, you know, 19 of the top 20 is somebody belting So you're not going to like Yuri Tielemann's goal at the weekend then? I love Yuri Tielemann's goal, <laughs> but why, I liked more the counterattack for the second goal. Oh, okay. Um, which I've also played a part, yeah. by the way. Uh, like, I, I thought they had their chances early. Sevilla under San Paolo, just, just trying to hang in there. Yeah. Um, and then the goals came late. But again, it, one of those things, they always felt they had another gear to go to. Um, I need to review the Rodrigo at center forwards option. It's just so different from Benzema, I think, as yeah. a knock-on effect. But, yeah. you know, three three big points for them. Manchester City beat Brighton 3-1 as Erling Holland bags another two goals. Don, it probably didn't affect the outcome. But between the donk on Bernardo Silva penalty, which I thought was ridiculous, which the referee was correct in not giving it, and then VR calls him back. Mm-hmm. Did you think and, that was a pen or not? No, it's not a pen. Do you think Bernardo Silva leaves his leg in? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Interesting. Um, you disagree? No, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm torn because I, I was on comms on the game and I went, there's definitely contact, there's definitely well, penalty. And then the more I see it, I went, ooh, is he leaving his leg in? And on the Holland goal, the one where he runs past everybody? Yeah. Okay, I know it looks cool, though, the big man, you know, he's like, he's like, Don't like tell me back. you think that's a foul on Webster. Well, I don't, I, are, you, are, you, are you allowed to just. Yes! Fling, why? Is it no, because... No, it's, it's the same as Larice Callum-Wilson. It's just, as I said before, there's 22 players on the pitch. No, it's there's not it's the same as Larice Callum-Wilson. I, 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 I know. It's very different. Was he not just too strong for him? You could say he's too strong for him. It looked to me like he shoved him out of the way. Webster's a big, strong boy, too. I don't can, know. I, can, I, I, can, I talk, can I talk tactics? From yes. The because it, I was on the game, Gab, and it was absolutely fascinating watching the cameras panning on Guardiola because I wouldn't say he was... In a spot of bother, Guardiola, because De Gerbi went man for man, and the only player he allowed to have any time on the ball was Edison. So his tactics were correct for about 20 minutes until the yeah. 21st, when Edison played the brilliant pass. But I loved the fact that Guardiola sort of relished the tactical battle, and he looked as though he was really respecting the tactics of De Gerbi, and he had him in a little bit of trouble because they couldn't play. The crowd was starting to turn, and it was fascinating to watch Guardiola's mind thinking about tactics, which he's an absolute genius at. And then he problem solved, and then they obviously went on and win the game. Maybe it, was, the it was a brilliant was, watch. Was getting uh, his uh, his buddy to uh, overthink. Yeah. There's a serious bromance going on between those. Definitely, two. definitely, definitely. Good. I'm glad to see that Usman Dembele's back. Bagged the goal, three assists as Barca destroy Bilbao. Is he back? And are they are they at their best possible form? 
Well, I think it was really important for them to get a statement win. I thought about balance. I forget they were third in the mm. table until very, very recently. Um, they wrapped this up early. Confidence boost. It comes on the back of their, their, their win on Thursday night as well. That was this huge game coming up against Barcelona. Dembele is a player of moments, I think. I actually liked this setup with um, the, the way they set up in this game with, with, with De Jong in midfield and Pedri a little further forward. Fans are starting to get back on side with De Jong, aren't they, the Barca fans? I think I think they need to. They need yeah. each other. Arsenal's lead in the Premier League is cut to just two points as they're held at Southampton. Don, I thought they started strong and then kind of faded away. Another game that I worked on, I was watching Mikel Arteta, Gab, and I said... Inside 30 minutes, he must have been so content. His team were amazing. They were creating chances. They took the lead. Nothing to report, really, apart from second half. They went a bit casual, and they allowed Southampton back in the game. All Southampton had, Gav, was long throws and corners. It's all they had. No, they, they had El Yunusi, too. Well, they did. Not scored in, I think, 28 games. And you wonder why, when you see the assist that he played for, for Stuart Armstrong. But you can understand why the amount of defensive work Southampton wingers have to do. But he'll be a little bit, he'll be a little bit fuming, not because they played bad, just how the game panned out. Because they should have been comfortable last night, should have been two or three, four up. Jesus had loads of chances, and in the end, they dropped a couple of points. Is this maybe all, all those Jesus haters saying like, "I told you so"? Nah, no. all right. I don't, yeah, no. I, I, I think I think I think you. I have to ask the question. I know. I think you're looking at a guy, and I, and I think it's very hard. I think you're looking at a guy that's probably leading up to the World Cup, like millions of other players are, and they're probably protecting themselves a little bit. Uh, anyway, Bayern won two 0 away to Hoffenheim. We've won six of the last seven in all comps. This is a perfect warm-up. They've had this big clash with Barcelona on Wednesday night. And my man, Eric Maxime Choupo-Moting, scoring again. And that was a really nice, really well-taken goal. It's not, it's not easy when the ball's coming from, it's coming from the right and you've, you have that, that first-time right-footed finish. Uh, much love to him. And, uh, and I think that Delict and uh, Upamecano keep building chemistry at the back. And I think that's really important too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inter get a very lucky winner in minute 95 away to Fiorentina to take all three points. But Dom, the home side are very angry. They feel Fede Di Marco should have seen red and that it was never a penalty when Terracciano brought down Lautaro Martinez. I'm going to ask you about those, but I want to ask you first about the winner because it's minute 95. Yeah. And... They square the ball. Venuti does this as a, as a center back, running back towards your own goal. Yeah, it's not wrong to try and just clear it out the side, right? Sort of, because you've got to check your vision, check your peripheral, see who's there. If worst case scenario, kick it out for a corner. Back pass wasn't really on because he was too right. close. But in the end, it's outrageous. In the end, the ball hits like. I, I, I think it's just, it, it hits Mkhitaryan just yeah. below the knee yeah. and goes in the back. But, 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 but that is a cruel. That's cruel, no? It's cruel because it's poor. It's bad. And anyway, on the Latala Martinez one, I thought that was definitely a penalty. 
And even on, though even though Terracciano gets the ball, I think it's a penalty. I think okay. it takes him a little yeah. bit. So can we clarify a little bit that just because you get the ball yeah. doesn't mean exactly. it's not a penalty? Exactly, so I agree it with you. Still be a foul. Uh, the Demarco one was interesting because watching it about four or five times, I understood by the letter of the law because Demarco was trying to play the ball. Therefore, it's not double jeopardy anymore. You get the penalty and it's not a red card. That law changed, whatever it was, two yeah. years ago. So you understand that. But the more I watch it, I'm thinking, he's a mile away from the ball. Yeah. He should have been sent off. And he could have been booked, too, at, at, at a minimum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kylian Mbappe got scored twice on Friday as PSG. I watched this game. Um, he's now up to 14 goals in all comps. Uh, in his contract, that's making headlines. The Parisian revealed he's earning 72 million euros in wages, plus 180 million euro signing on bonus over three years, and a loyalty bonus of 60 million. Yeah, so we've had figure. People have cited figures about his contract and 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 whatnot. You know, from the moment he extended. This is the first time that we've had uh, kind of a major French outlet come out. And say, you know, these are the terms, right? Yeah. We've had Lekeep come out and tell us it's not a three-year deal, even though he held up that stupid 2025 sign. Uh, it's a two-year deal with an option, um, with a player option, by the way, for, for, for the third year. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of money, again, 72 million euros in wages, to put this in context, and I think it does matter. As you know, in England, people speak of gross wages. Yeah. This is a gross figure. Taxes are very high in uh, in, in France, so his post tax take home pay is is only around thirty odd million in, uh, in basic wages. Um, the signing bonus to me is just is just unbelievable. One hundred eighty million spread over three years. I'm assuming were he to leave, he would forego the rest. I don't know. Uh, and then this weirdo loyalty bonus, which. In, I it's just such an enormous amount of money, and people will go and they'll, they'll you know they'll cite Messi, they'll cite whatever. But the weird thing is, is again, this is a guy who's despite being very young, mm. has already made noises about leaving, has yeah. come very close to leaving before. Yeah. This is not a messy situation. Um, Quick or- question, Gab. You know, I talk about financial fair play, and it absolutely blows my mind. Does the player's wages come into financial fair play? Of course, yes. Yeah, it's it, players' wages are a big part of it. Uh, apparently, according to Le Parisien, I think he represents uh, a quarter of the club's entire budget goes to pay for Mbappe. And bear in mind, they have some other highly paid players there, yeah, like yeah. Neymar yeah, and, couple, yeah. and Messi, <laughs> that, that, that Messi fella who also scored Friday night. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't understand the logic. I don't understand where they're going with it. Mm. Um, whatever. Aston Villa beat up Brentford 4-0 under their new under their interim boss, somebody named Aaron Danks, who I have to say I was not familiar no, with. Many I don't remember him as a coach. I don't remember him nope. as a player. I don't nope. I have no idea who he is. Remember him now though. Uh, but I certainly know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Thomas Frank remembers him. Uh, I need to take you back to the decision to sack Steven Jarrett in the first place. Mm-hmm. Was it the right thing to do? Villa aren't that down on the table, are they? No, it, it, I commentated on the game, the Fulham game that he got sacked after, and it was one of them, Gab, where you could see the pain on Stevie's face. You could see it. It was the performance. It was the go- There's always a number that gets you the sack. It was three against Fulham, but it could have been a, a couple more. And it was also the goals that you concede. 
when you concede like rubbish goals and own goals and penalties, it's just, it's just the Villa fans were quite toxic. They were singing songs like "Get Out of Our Club" and this, that, and the other. So therefore, put a little bit of pressure on Christian Perslow and the and, and, and the board to try and react because they were, you know, they're creeping down at the bottom three. They were getting quite close, and they spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money, and if you had, if you had a, if you had a sold that to Christian Perslow and said, "I'll spend whatever it was, 150 million pound. I'll have you closer to the bottom three than the than the top six, then it's not a good sell. And it was one of them where I did feel for him. Uh, I think he hung his hat on Philip Coutinho because he played so well in parts last season, but has not been good this season. And loads of injuries along the way. But off the back of the Fulham game, it, it felt like it was coming. Yeah, Christian Perz, though, not very popular uh, among Liverpool fans. I'm assuming even less popular now. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think he cares. I don't think he's going no, on a holiday. And, and, yeah, and, and Liverpool uh, fans, because I think I think they're desperate, aren't they, for that transition when Klopp leaves for Gerrard to be the man. Right. Interesting where Stevie pops up next. I wonder if he goes back to Liverpool as a 21s coach. I wonder if he takes something with England, or does he bide his time to try and get back in? I had a conversation with a pal of mine yesterday who thinks if he takes a little bit of time off, he could then potentially be the Liverpool manager. And I was like, I don't see that happening. I think you've got to take another job. I think so and too. Prove to be a success before you get the club, the job the size of Liverpool. In my humble opinion. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. Well, look, not only are you, you know, the legendary native-born son of, yeah. of Liverpool, you know, historic captain, but you're also you also be replacing Klopp now. Yeah, exactly. Whether and you're either replacing Klopp walking away as as a winner, or let's say Klopp turns to rubbish, then trying to salvage yeah. a Klopp situation, which I, neither I, of which I, is good. I was putting myself into the mind of. A good friend of mine, Gary McAllister, also lost a job with Stevie. And I can imagine Gary texting Stevie, have you seen the scoreline? After 15 minutes, when Villa were 3-0 up, and they must be thinking, how's that happened? How can we be so bad against Fulham and so good against Brentford? Astonishing. Uh, Atletico Madrid got a big win, Gab, against Betis. Griezmann scored a couple, uh, one of them direct from a corner. Goalkeeper? Uh, yes, uh, I think definitely a goalkeeper. Uh I'm really on both of them. I'm sorry. I, I love the Olympic goal, as they like to call it, when you score direct from the corner. The reality is most of the time, although there's some YouTube highlights of Diego Maradona doing it where I say, okay, yeah, nobody's getting to that. But most of the time, yeah, yeah. there's like, there's got to be a major. Have you ever played in a game where somebody scored direct from a corner? I literally can't remember, but, I, but I, know, I know if you're going to try and score from a corner, the percentage chances, Gab, are like 1%. It's like impossible. Uh, you didn't take corners, I presume. Uh, a little bit, but I wasn't trying to score from him. You've never tried to bend it? Never, you? ever. As a kid, yeah. And you can do it when you're a kid, when the goalkeepers are literally tiny. And you can do it, but professionally, you've got too many things to try and work on. Yeah, yeah. I, I would assume your teammates probably get a little annoyed with you. Well, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you do it more than once <laughs> exactly. or twice. Back to Manchester United, Joel Glazer was part of a Zoom call with supporters who asked him why the Glazer family took £33.6 million out of the club in dividends last year when United had their worst ever financial year, losing £150 million. Uh, reportedly, Glazer didn't have an answer. Do you, Don? Can you no, explain it? No, I've got, I've, I've got no idea. Financially, I've got no idea how the internals work at a club like Man United or anywhere else where there's dividends and there's shares and the fans want money put back into the rebuilding. Well, it's simple, right? You own the business. If the business is probably, I mean, I'm going to dumb this down for people as much as possible. For me, please. Honestly, dumb it down for me. So he owns the business. His family owns the business, right? The business is profitable. If the business is profitable at the end of the year, 
what happens is you take some of that profit and you, you can decide uh, we're going to give it back to the shareholders and we yeah. call that dividend. It's yeah. like a profit share, yeah. right? Um, now, they've been taking dividends out of the club every single year and it's been kind of controversial because they've loaded a bunch of debt onto the club and because fans say, well, no, you should just be reinvesting in the club every yeah. year, right? Uh, to do it in a year where they lose money, $115 million, yeah. and then on top of that, like, oh, I'm also going to help myself and get... I, this is really, really going to rankle people. And this yeah. is why I get angry when people say, like, oh, look, but they've spent more than a billion on the club. I'm like, it's been a freaking profitable club most mm. of the time. Mm. You know, a United fans are very good at keeping count of all the money that the Glazer family has taken out of the club in the form of dividends. Yeah. I don't have a problem with people getting paid. Yeah. I really don't. If you... If you do the job, I don't know that in taking all this money, the Glazer family is saying, oh, United have been profitable all these years because of us. Mm -hmm. So we should get a dividend. If that's what you want to argue, I don't think that's right. But whatever. Right. Yeah. But to do it when you've taken a loss. No, that's a strange one. It's it's an odd one. Yeah. No. And then they wonder why nobody likes them. Well, exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, Milan destroying Monza 4-1. Brahim Diaz puts on a show. Good player. He had to come off injured. Great win. Uh, but is Brian ever going to get the consistency? I think it's a question a lot of people are asking. You know, it's, a, it's amazing because here's a guy who was, you know, a prodigy when he was 15, goes to Manchester City. Remember Brian Diaz and Phil Foden? They were yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. neck and neck. Yeah. Makes his debut. Eventually gets sold to Real Madrid. He's still a Real Madrid player. This is his third year at Milan on yeah. loan. Yeah. And you see glimpses of him. He looks really good when he's yeah. really good. He was really good in this game. He, you know, he's the little guy who's unplayable. Yeah. But, but even then, Milan have insurance, right? They signed Charles de Ketelaer mm -hmm. in case Brian Diaz doesn't work. I mean, you, you can imagine Diaz now, if he had a state at City, you can imagine the type of player he would be. He'd be more consistent, wouldn't he? Because he's got the talent. Because he's got better coaching. Yeah. And better players. I, you would think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think City were seeing him as, you know, potentially... Maybe he just didn't kick on, yeah. A Bernardo Silva-type player, because yeah. also he's played in the wing, he's played as number 10. Yeah. You know, he's got kind of that, that, that trickery without necessarily having a lot of acceleration, like, like yeah. Bernardo Silva. But, um, like, if he turns a corner, if he plays to his talent this season, he's going to be crucial for yeah. Milan. And they yeah, need him, 100%. of course, against Dita Mozagreb. Leeds United lose at home to Fulham 3-2. Don, is time running out for Jesse Marsh? It is, Gab. It is. You know, no wins in eight. Uh, losing games. They can't They can't hold on to a lead. Um, I was at the Palace game a couple of weeks back. One for 45 minutes, Leeds were unreal. Like watching Brazil. They were, un honestly, they were ridiculously good. Like sensational. But it's the movie that you've seen before. Let in a cheap free kick. 1-1. Second half begins. Folded. Lost 2-1. Same happened against Fulham. They just there's a fragility. Um, it's obviously in the coaching, it's in the setup, it's in the players, it's in their attitude, it's in their confidence. They're fragile. But when you start losing on on no wins in eight, you are running the risk. And again, we yeah. talked we talked about the Villa fans, the Leeds fans were singing Bielsa's name, and he got interviewed after the game. Uh, Jesse Marsh, and he said that really cut me. For the first time, it cut me. Really? Yeah. His feelings get hurt. Yeah, I mean. You know, you, 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 you're trying your best. I, I think mean, it was some robot produced in a lab in Princeton. <laughs> that, but I, I, I will say this, and is it, is it that simple? Because, look, I get it. You can sing Bielsa's name. There's some horrendous defending under Bielsa, too, at every club yeah. he's been at, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a reason. Like, yeah. To me, it's Jesse Marsh plays high-risk, high-reward football because that's 
the Red but Bull I, way, but, and that's what he's they, that's what he's done. I think they had it more so with Bielsa. Don't you agree? I think they had more high risk with Bielsa, even though they're getting smashed like sixes and sevens off like Man United. There was more sort of high risk and more energy. And I think he's trying to temper that a little bit. He's gone away from the man-to-man marking, which had to be had to be done because you can't do that every single game against every single opposition. But it's the fact that when you're trying to trying to go away from Bielsa, which the Leeds fans loved, and you're still not winning games, it must be frustrating. But, it's, but it's a lot of the Bielsa principles are there in what he does. I mean, I, I mean the defending guy, the, the defending's horrendous, and that's that's a little bit where is I, it individuals? Yeah, individual so that, errors. Yeah, so that's where that's where I think. It tends to get a little bit unfair when you when a fan criticises a manager. When you see Robin Cock defend the way he did yesterday, when you see Luke Aylin defend the way he did yesterday, you're looking as a manager and the camera's panned on him. I think he was more or less thinking like, what can I do there? Like literally, what can you do as a manager when you give them instructions and they don't do it and you let cheap goals in and rubbish goals? You must be thinking as a manager, like, what's happening? And then you get the run of losses and the run of defeats to get you close to the sack. I imagine they're gonna they're gonna go and evaluate the situation during the World Cup. I think. So I think the same. I think that's what they should I think do. there's so many clubs in the Premier League that are gonna wait and see, and some are making decisions, some are not. I think they're all waiting to get these three games out of the way. Uh, Union Berlin, top of the table, facing Bochum, who were dead last and lost eight out of ten games at that point. So naturally, what happened? <laughs> so naturally, of course, they lost. They lost. Of course, they did. Gave up a set piece goal. They were two 0 down at one point. Um, I wish. Sorry, much as a great to have you here. This is, Jules would have loved being here and trolling our, our, our regular producer, Freddie, who's a big Union Berlin he likes fan. A, he likes to troll, doesn't he? What is the point? Because, look, the way Union Berlin play, I, I'm, I'm not making fun of them, right? But this is a team that's built around directness, muscle, set pieces, a low possession. There was one game where I think they had like 18% possession through the first half, something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. You can't do this against bad sides. Or they're playing Bochum, who are a terrible team, although, yeah. you know, they're. they're I think they lost like five or six of the first games of the season. And you can't play like this and think it's going to last. You know, it's one of those outperform XG, whatever. For it to happen against a bad team like this. That's the worry. Yeah, that's the worry. Brazil, as in the country, is having a runoff election in a week. Neymar has publicly endorsed one candidate, Jair Bolsonaro. While Brazil coach Tite has gone so far as to say that if he comes home with the World Cup and Bolsonaro is reelected, he won't meet with the president. Don, so I know you're so, an expert on Brazilian politics. So naturally, you come to me. Not everybody knows about your PhD <laughs> in political science. No, I'm kidding. No, you want to know? Very simple, right? Go on. From a, from a player's perspective, yeah. just two things. Yeah. One is, I think I'm right in saying that generally we're not accustomed to professional footballers talking about politics 100% ever. Yeah. And second, you're not just talking about politics, but they're taking diametrically opposed views within the same team on the eve of a World Cup. Mm. I, to me, this is... I'm making an analogy to somebody, and I'll make an NFL analogy for our friends across... Remember a few, a few years ago when uh, Tom Brady was, was still with the Patriots? Yeah. This is like a month before the Super Bowl or a month before the playoffs start. You know, Belichick saying, oh, if Trump gets elected, I'm not going to the White House. And Brady saying, oh, no, no, I'm going to go out and campaign for Trump. Right, Joe, your star player and your coach. Again, I'm not, they didn't do that. I'm not getting into that. But right. It's weird, isn't it? Very weird. Very weird. Or uh, not weird. It's difficult well, well, I was, for us I was, to understand well, well, on this well, side of the pond. Well, absolutely. I mean, politics and football, in, in my opinion, doesn't mix. But once you get a player 
like Neymar side into one side. I was fortunate to be in the car last night and I was listening to this debate on radio and um, one of the journalists said about the, the actions that he's made, Neymar, he's actually alienated so many other people from Brazil. They're not happy with Neymar leading into a World Cup. But so equally then, that dynamic, dynamic is the works. coach, Chicha, doing the same thing as well by no saying idea. like, I don't like this guy, if no he gets idea. elected... You have a duty to say, like, I don't whether whether you have to respect no the fact idea. that he's, you know, it's. But as as a player, as a teammate, it's it's not necessary. No, it's no, not helpful. One hundred percent, it's not necessary. But you, you, how do you stop someone like Neymar having that opinion? I don't know. Surely that's on the management. Surely it's not for a player in a, in the, in the dressing room to say to someone, "Listen, you well, can't." He's his own guy, can't. right? Well, yeah. So, so that's why you need you need you need I, guidance from the manager. I, I what I'm thought. what I think is going to be just because I want to keep this on football, but when the World Cup comes back around. Seeing how, and they all meet up in Doha, and you know, it's what like three weeks from now. <laughs> you know, time flies. Well, you can, but you can imagine the rhetoric. You imagine the story if name if uh, Neymar and Brazil crash out early, he's going to get hammered. Is this and, and is this going to be blamed one way or the other? One hundred percent, it will. It's uh, it, it's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, Dortmund beat Stuttgart five nil. Uh, Gio Reyna makes his first start of the season. Gab, so much inconsistency. But they look really good. Yeah, I think it's his, uh, it's his first league start of the season. Um, but he played really well. I think he played some Champions League. Um, Dortmund turned in a 90-minute performance, which is not what? something we what? often see. Yes, <laughs> right, Jude Bellingham was tremendous as uh, once again. Um, Sula played it right back as the... It's funny. He's kind of always the German Dan Byrne, you're going to say, right? <laughs> there you go. Um, but but I, thought, I thought he was solid. I think you still need more from from Adeyemi, but it's encouraging to actually see them play well for ninety minutes, yeah. not self destruct. You still have Mukoko up front, and it's interesting with Reina, even though he's only nineteen years old. I think this is a team that needs some kind of leadership, right? Yeah. And until Marco Roy, Marco Royce is, is injured, yeah. and even then, obviously, he's not getting any younger. Bellingham's delivering it, despite yeah. being very young. I think if Rain is fit for a while, he has the charisma and the personality to, to deliver it. Yeah. I think it's it's really important because you know they still need to get get up there and, and then kind of get make sure they're in the top four. They've got a big Champions League week coming up as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is really really impressive, I think, from Turcic. We have another installment in the successful series where games are delayed because goals are too big or too small. So we saw this happen in a Women's Champions League game. Yeah. We saw it happen here in England at Wigan. Yeah. We saw it happen some other place in the lower divisions this past weekend. It happened in the Portuguese Women's League when Benfica played something called, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Lank Villa Verdense. I was delayed because the goal was too big and had to be adjustment. It has to be adjusted. Now, I have to say, honestly, before this year, I had never heard of top-level football matches being delayed because no. goals were too small or too big. Never heard of it. Now there's an epidemic, but you played <laughs> the game at a high level. Why is it that I goals are starting know. to shrink or grow or whatever? Uh, how do you explain it? How, I, how do you, I can't explain it. Is this the first year where we've actually started measuring goals? I don't know. It's bizarre. The, the, this goal was apparently four centimeters too big. Now, four centimeters, if you think in inches, it's nearly two inches. That's that's not insignificant. In fact, you could probably look at it and tell. Well, how are they changing? How are the goals? How are the goal size changing? Uh, I, you get them from one area of the pitch. You put them there. Is there something in the? Is there something in the? 
Are they too too small or too big? Well, what's, what's it depends. Some some are too small. If some are too, too small. Big. You might be able to think. Well, something in the turf is eroding underneath, so they've, they've dropped down. But what if they're too. growing? I don't know. What if the pictures being I watered? Have no idea. No, no. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I'd love to think I, that, that maybe, you know, there's some anarchist collective out there that says, you know what? You know, I am. Like someone started something, like adding a little bit on just for the. Everybody's banter. going just messing yeah. with the goals and could be your club next. <gasps> uh, Atalanta lose second spot gab in the league as they're beaten at home by Lazio. Lazio playing well. Uh, does this mean no fairy tale for Gasparini? No fairy tale 2.0 for Gus Brady, but not the first one. Uh, it looked that way, and you know, you almost had been, you know, they're they were second in the league, they'd had all these injuries, they're playing differently because they're, they're playing definitely more defensively than they did. I wonder why he's never first on, on, and I'll say this loosely, I wonder why Gasparini's never on the big club's radar because he's been at the big club before and it didn't work out and he's somebody who has a reputation as not being an easy person to work with that's that that, that people have asked me this a million times yeah. that's the reason people he's just one of those coaches who's successful stubborn, stubborn. yeah people but most coaches are right and people just don't like him you know it's a bit like I don't know Neil Warnock right right not I say this I yeah. He's always very nice to me, but yeah, there are yeah. a lot of people who don't like him, like right? Me. Marmite. Alan Pardew, another yeah. one, right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but they have achieved things in the game, right? Yeah. Um, but by the way, Lazio, we, we got to show some love for Sarri because Chiro Immobile is out. He's not going to be back until 2023. You thought, all right, they're all just going to collapse without him. Um, Felipe Anderson played up front and it worked. I think they have a real player in Zaccagna on the wing. Yeah. And they're top four, which is, I think, beyond anybody's expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. A wild one in Augsburg, Don, as the home side go 3-0 up after 64 minutes, only to concede three times, including twice in the last two minutes. Uh, obviously, this was against Leipzig. Uh, how does this happen? You ever been involved in anything like that? Yeah, or I feel as though this is a German thing. Not necessarily it's just Germany. but Yeah, every, let's go and have a crazy ending. But, but, because... but every time I see a team that's winning 3-0, normally Dortmund, they blow yeah. it, isn't it normally? And then you go in. What happens? What happens in that scenario, Gab? They, they had somebody sent off at minute sixty-five, but even then, I yeah. expect ten men to be able to not concede well, three goals in twenty-five minutes. Right? That's, that's why it's a freak. That's why it's a freak. But it happens. I don't know. Once every couple of seasons, more so in Germany. And what happens is, Gab, when you're in that scenario, if you're Augsburg and you're winning three-nil, you are so comfortable in the game, and then you lose one, and you go, "That's not the end of the world." 3-1, we've still got time on the clock. And then you lose the second one to 3-2, and it's panic stations. Well, and, yeah, the last and you never see a team then go and win 4-2, do you? No. It's always at 3-2, it's <laughs> always the 3-3. Three, three. They were 60 seconds apart, the uh, the goal to make a 3-2 and the equaliser. because yeah, it's and, panic stations. Yeah, and by the way, uh, from Leipzig's perspective, of course, their, their, their patron, um, the guy who built the Red Bull Empire, uh, Matyshitz, passing away this weekend. Uh, condolences to him and his family. Mm. You know, uh if you want to get poetic about it, I like to think he looked down at 3-0 down and said, oh, look, or, or maybe looked up, some people might say, um, and said, oh, you know, let's get this equalizer. So let's bring this home. <laughs> uh, so the FIFA president, Giovanni Infantino, was slammed, or has slammed broadcasters for su- submitting low-ball bids for the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia. He says some are offering 1% of what men's football world rights bring in. Does that make any sense? So I think this is really interesting, and this is one situation where 
I'm going to side a little bit with FIFA and slam broadcasters, um, even though we work for one. Yeah. Uh, not all of them, right? But basically, so historically, the men's and women's uh, rights were FIFA sold the rights together for all the FIFA events, men's, women's, under 20s, under 17s, and whatever. And that is part of the reason why the, uh, for example, the, the prize money at World Cup for women was always so much less than, than it was for men, right? Because mm -hmm. it was impossible to quantify right, how much are they actually bringing in. Yeah. Um, so this is the first time that they're actually selling them independently. And what we saw in 2019, and Infantino came out and said that, they said, well, the men's audience for World Cup games is about four times the, the, the women's audience. Or the audience for men's World Cup is about four times the audience for the women's World Cup. So if the men's World Cup generates whatever it is, six and a half billion, yeah. if the women's World Cup is a quarter of that, I expect it to generate a quarter of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we know that women's competitions do really well on television, the Euros as well. They, yeah. get, they get high ratings, right? Yeah. And apparently people are, are not offering a lot of money. They're offering very low bids um, for these rights. Now, I think part of it is that it's being played in Australia, which, you know, maybe TV-friendly times in Time Australia time. and Japan, but, you know, it kind of sucks if you're in the rest of the world because yeah. they'll be in the middle of the night in, uh, in in North America or early morning or whatever, and even even in Europe. I mean, what is it, like nine hours with, with Australia, right? That said, you're expecting more money. I personally think it's good that FIFA are holding out and calling them for account. I mean, if it, you know, went so far as to say, you know, you in the media, you guys slam FIFA for uh, not doing enough for women's football, especially some of you broadcasters. All right, open your wallet and buy these freaking rights. Which Tell is us. Fair argument. Which I, I don't see how they can be, you know, the men's rights can be worth a hundred times no. the women's rights, no. even with the time Which difference. is a fair argument to have, I suppose. I think so. I'm glad they're hanging in there. I mean, ultimately, I think the goal has to be to grow the women's game, let the women's game kind of thing stand on its own two legs and, yeah. and fully exploit it. You've got a ton of sponsors who are willing to do it. They deliver the high ratings before in 2019. Yeah. I don't think this whole, like, you know, time shift, middle of the night thing, I don't think that explains this, this difference. Mm. Frank Ribery announces retirement from football at age 39. Don, your memories? Oh, what a player. Bayern, I think, I think is the is the club that I think stands out for me. Where I think he was at his peak, him and I and Robin. I think when you when you look at robbery, robbery, when you look at them two, you just think like they were unplayable, weren't they? Like his balance, his skill, could well, play also, different positions. Who I guess it was, it was because of his scar and the way he looked. He had this like whole badass persona. Like he's a tough guy winger. He's not one of those like flighty yeah. wingers. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I, I just thought he was amazing. I thought everything about him, Gab. I think like his, his his players go. I think he's one of them, which will be ridiculously unfair when you move on and people remember Messi and Ronaldo in like fifteen, twenty years time. He might not even come into people's memories, Ribery, but he should. No, he because I think should. he was outrageous player. Nearly won a Ballon d'Or as well. There you go. Uh, Villarreal bit uh, Almeria 2-1, Gab, but I want to ask you about Alex Buena. 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 Uh, yeah, so uh, he scores, and this caused a lot of controversy. He was sent off because he was wearing a T-shirt underneath his shirt, and he lifts it up to display a message. Right. And so there's rules against political yeah. messages. There's rules, I guess, against removing your shirt, although yeah. I don't even think he fully removed it. 
But it was a it was a tribute to former Villarreal vice president Jose Manuel Llanesa, who had passed away a couple of days earlier. He's a guy who had kind of built helped build Villarreal into into a, power, a Liga powerhouse mm-hmm. from you know a sleepy third fourth division club. And second yellow, so he's off. Oh. I, you know I hate it when people bring up common sense, and I'm like, no, oh, there's rules. But in this case, come on, get pasa. Common sense, right? Yeah. It's, it's just, just silly. I mean, just, just the ref, <laughs> go and have a word in his ear. Yeah, you want to find him afterwards, find him. But there's no reason to send him off. Ridiculous. Anyway, Don, that brings us to an And Thank you for, for such a tip-top job Loved it. replacing Jules. But don't worry, Jules fans. Jules will be back on Thursday. We'll be talking some Champions League. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.